Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to direct you to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5. And as you're turning there, I, I would like to say how much I appreciate all of the many kindnesses that have been shown uh, to my family, my wife and I, my children, and uh, also uh, my parents during Pastor's Appreciation Month. And uh, I've had cheese, some of the best cheesecake I've ever had in my life. I've had uh, Brunswick stew that was so delicious, I ate the whole thing almost in one sitting. Uh, and I'm going to get myself in trouble because there's been so many things that I, I can't mention them all. And most of them involve food, and that's why my jacket is not buttoned tonight. Uh, so I thank you for all of that, and I love each of you dearly. And I'd also like to say that it wasn't our plan to uh, commingle Pastor's Appreciation Month and this uh, birthday celebration for our pastor. It just so happened that our pastor's birthday is when it is, and it it fell during pastor's right near pastor's appreciation, and so we can't thank you enough. They've given me the total, and they, I believe this will cover his trip. One thousand three hundred and forty-four dollars in a love offering for our pastor. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. We appreciate you. God bless each and every one of you. We're not going to tell him about this, by the way, until the birthday party. So we're going we're gonna to keep that our secret, and, uh, and he'll be extremely surprised. And, uh, and I just love each and every one of you. And uh, I hope that you know that and uh, appreciate this church. I believe this is the best church in all the world. I, you know, I know it's my church, and and uh, I feel that way, but I really do believe that. Well, I'd like to take us to 2 Timothy 1 and 5. And we're going to read three scriptures together. And the Apostle Paul says this to young Timothy. He said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Could we read that line together? For God hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. With the nature of the weekend being such as it is, with the focus on Halloween and fear and things of that nature, I felt the Lord for the last few weeks stirring me to preach from this subject. And it is a statement. The spirit of faith conquers the spirit of fear. The spirit of faith conquers the spirit of fear. Could we put our Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to be with us during 
these moments together. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we love you tonight. We thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for this great spirit that we feel in this place and all of the things you've done for blessing us today beyond what we even deserve. We give you praise. We give you all of our adoration tonight, Jesus. Lord, speak to us, minister to us, help us. Help me as your humble messenger to deliver what you've laid on my heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is the, the time of year where fear is for sale. Fear is celebrated. Fear is elevated. And people are obsessed with the fear industry. The horror movie industry is a multi, multi-billion dollar business. That's billion with a B. And it is a strange time of year. I, for one, will never get used to seeing little five, six, seven-year-old children dressed up with blood dripping down their clothing. It will never make sense to me. It will never make sense to me. But we live in this time, this season, if you will, where our culture has decided to elevate fear. And if there's one thing you need to know about fear is that fear does not come from God. We've all dealt with fear in one form or another. I've been afraid. I've been very afraid. And uh, many of you could probably testify to moments of great fear in your life. Sometimes it was real fear, almost to the point of terror. And then there's times when there is uh, almost comical fear, so to speak. I remember one time in my youth pastor days in Natchez, Mississippi, I went into the dark sanctuary, a sanctuary a little bigger than this one, and I went into the sanctuary. We lived on the church campus. We lived in an evangelist quarters up above the gymnasium, and I would sometimes go in the middle of the night into the sanctuary to pray in the dark where it was quiet. And I remember I was praying at the altar, but what I did not know is that there was going to be a private funeral the next morning, and they had left the body in the sanctuary overnight. I had been praying on top of a casket. I want you to know there was terror that struck my heart in that moment. Now that I look back on it, it's almost comical, but at the time, it was genuine Real deal fear. If you suffer from verbophobia, you're really going to struggle with this sermon tonight. Verbophobia is the fear of words. My wife struggles with surephobia, the fear of mice. You probably have lots of family troubles if you suffer with syngophobia, the fear of relatives. 
I've been very clear about my battle with snakeophobia, which is exactly what it sounds like, the fear of snakes, praise the Lord, glory to God. Sister Kimberly, I saw her here tonight, and she has a bad case of renatophobia, or the fear of frogs. We all have fear. But phobophobia is probably the worst fear of all, because it is the fear of fear itself. As our nation was careening headfirst into the cataclysm of the Great Depression, Franklin D. Roosevelt memorably said during his inaugural address to the nation, he said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's usually where we end the quote, but he continued by saying, the fear of fear is a nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror that paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. That is exactly the kind of fear that the Apostle Paul was describing to young Timothy. Paul was not talking about the natural, physical emotion of fear. It's perfectly normal to be afraid if someone is holding a gun to your head. It's perfectly normal to feel afraid if you're dangling off the edge of a cliff. You could even argue that God created us with an innate fear of evil. Paul was not talking about our natural God-given physical response to danger. The spirit of fear is much deeper and it is much darker than the emotional sensation of fear. The spirit of fear is sometimes translated the spirit of timidity or the spirit of cowardice. Mark Twain famously said that courage is not the absence of fear, but the ability to move in spite of fear. One writer said courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Fear itself is not ungodly. Jesus was afraid of Calvary. He was so afraid that he literally prayed to be spared from the experience. Had he not been afraid of that agonizing death, he would not have been a human being like you and I are a human being. But he did not allow the fear to dominate his actions. He did not allow his fear to keep him from being obedient to the will of God. He did not allow his fear to keep him from being the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. You see, fear by itself is not a sin. He mastered his fear with prayer. And by the way, prayer is the best way to dominate your fear. I said prayer is the best way to dominate your fear. You want to know how to deal with fear? Get in a prayer closet somewhere and say, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. You want to know how to deal with the spirit of fear? Get down in a prayer room somewhere and say, God, I need you right now. Take this cup from me, Lord. But if you won't do it, God, I want my will to be submitted to your will, God. 
When fear paralyzes you, then it has become a spirit of fear that is ungodly. When fear keeps you from doing the right thing, or when fear causes you to do the wrong thing, then it has become a spirit of fear, and that is ungodly. If you react to everything in fear, then you are being controlled by a spirit of fear. When a person is dominated by fear, they will become irrational. They will become reactionary. They will be uncontrolled, unpredictable, unhinged, untrustworthy, undependable, unbalanced, and just plain crazy at times. Fear will make you do things that you would never do in your right mind. Fear will cause you to hurt people that you love. Fear will cause you to lash out at people who are trying to help you. Fear will cause you to hurt people that you would never dream of hurting in your right mind. The spirit of fear has a way of dominating your mind and manipulating your actions. The spirit of fear will grip a heart so tightly that it completely squeezes out every last drop of faith. And listen to me, my friend. Without faith, it is completely impossible to please God. I said you cannot be pleasing to God without faith. You cannot be pleasing to God without faith. Somebody's about to get this tonight. I said you cannot be pleasing to God without faith. And fear will rob you of every last drop of your faith. No. Without faith, you can't overcome. Without faith, you can't have victory. Without faith, you can't have joy. Without faith, you cannot overcome the onslaught of the enemy. When fear replaces your faith, the miraculous and the supernatural are completely out of your grasp. It's no wonder that Satan has mastered the art of filling us with fear because fear is a faith killer. Now, if fear is a faith killer, then the opposite is also true. Faith is a fear killer. In 2 Corinthians 4.13, the Apostle Paul spoke, and this is the only instance, only one time in, in your Bible is the spirit of fear mentioned. And only one time in your Bible is the spirit of faith mentioned. Did you know that your Bible speaks of having a spirit of faith? Paul spoke of having the same spirit of faith the psalmist had when in spite of his afflictions, in spite of his pain, in spite of his sorrow, in spite of his valley, in spite of his difficulties, he cried out to God in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death and he trusted in the promises of God even when fear was trying to wrap his fingers around his neck and he said, no fear, I'm going to cry out to Jesus in the middle of my fear, in the middle of my valley, in the middle of my sorrow, in the middle of my pain. I'm going to say, God, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, I'm fighting a spirit of fear right now. I can feel it pressing in on this church. Somebody ought to lift up your hands right now and push back as Brother Nathan preached this morning against the darkness. The spirit of fear is a darkness that would like to grab a hold of the soul of every single member of Apostolic Tabernacle. I rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh my God, we're stirring up something in the demon realm right now. Somebody ought to go ahead and lift up your voice and rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. Some of you can't remember the last time you had a good night's sleep because the spirit of fear, I rebuke it right now. Our culture doesn't even know it, but our culture has opened itself up to the spirit of fear. We've embraced it. And I say that it's time for the church to say we will not allow the spirit of fear in our homes, in our entertainment, on our bookshelves. Hmm. Look at your neighbor and say, the spirit of faith conquers the spirit of fear. The spirit of faith is deeper than a feeling or an emotion. The spirit of faith goes beyond having hope. It goes beyond wanting to have faith. It is a spirit that will grip your lifestyle. It's a spirit that will dominate the way that you think. Think about some of the most godly people you know. My mind always goes to Bishop and Sister Cole, my pastor and my mother, my wife. Those are the, some of the most godly people that I know in this world. And you can tell that they operate in the realm of faith. They have a spirit of faith about them because when the earthquake comes and the world is trembling underneath their feet they do not react with the spirit of fear but they react with the spirit of faith that says Lord come what may I'm going to be in the house of God whatever happens in this valley I trust you Lord God whatever I have to go through I'm still going to be singing praises at midnight go ahead and nudge Silas in the ribs and say Silas our hands may be bound our feet may be bound we may be bleeding broken and bruised but we're going to go ahead and lift and lift up our voices at midnight go ahead brother Collins sing praises at midnight go ahead brother Mueller I know you're in pain right now but go ahead and give God praise in the midnight hour because that is what the spirit of faith will do oh we're breaking it we're breaking it we're breaking it (laughs) 
Some of you are so beaten down by the spirit of fear that right now there is demonic warfare happening in your soul. You better get the victory tonight. And you better give yourself over to the spirit of faith before fear robs you of your joy, robs you of your salvation, robs you of your walk with God, robs you of your victory. The spirit of faith is a determination to believe when it's difficult to understand the why. (laughs) And it's difficult to understand the how. How many times have you cried out to God and said, why? How many times? Have you cried out to God and said, how could this be? The spirit of faith says, I still trust you, Lord. I still trust you, Lord. I still love you, Lord. The spirit of faith. Faith is not a natural thing. We're not born with faith. We can't inherit faith from our parents. We can't inherit faith from our grandparents. You can't inherit faith from your pastor. I cannot give you faith. As much as I would like to give you faith, I have no power to give you faith. I can't even share my faith with you. But... You can have faith. But if you seek after faith in the natural, you will always come up short because faith is a spiritual thing. Faith is not something that you obtain in the natural. It's supernatural. Faith, the Bible says, cometh by hearing. And hearing... By the word of God. Or we could say it this way. Faith comes by hearing the preached word of God. Why is that? Because the word of God is supernatural. And a man of God is anointed by a supernatural God to deliver the holy supernatural word of God. The whole thing is anointed. The whole package is powerful. The whole thing is full of faith. The whole thing is super infused with power from on high. Mm. Do you know why the devil fights so hard to keep you from church? Because he knows that the preached word of God will increase your faith and kill your fear. Do you know why the devil wants our culture to have less and less church so that we can play more and more games? Because he knows the power of the preached word of God. Do you know why the devil wants to distract you right now in the middle of this message? He wants your cell phone beeping. He wants somebody talking to you. He wants every thought racing through your mind. He wants you going through your to-do list for Monday. He wants you thinking about what you got to do on Tuesday because he knows that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you know why Satan wants you to hate preachers? 
Because if you hate preachers, then you'll hate preaching. And there will be nothing standing between you and the spirit of fear. You need faith to conquer fear. And you can't have faith without the word and the preacher. It was the spirit of fear that looked at the preacher, Moses, and said, The giants are too big and the walls are too high. We can't possibly take the promised land. It was the spirit of fear that kept the Israelites hiding while Goliath scoffed at God. It was the spirit of fear that kept John Mark from completing his missionary journey with Paul, creating a rift that never did quite heal. Listen. The three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were afraid of the fiery furnace. Don't think for one moment that they were not afraid of the fiery furnace. They were intimidated by the decree that Nebuchadnezzar couldn't make. But they had a spirit of faith and not the spirit of fear. They did not allow their fear of the fire. They did not allow their fear of death. They did not allow their fear of torture to control them. Fear only becomes a sin when you allow it to control your actions. I'm going to tell you what we need in these last days. We need some Shadrachs, some Meshachs, and Abednegoes, and we need some Shadradettes, and we need some Meshachettes to stand up and say, hey, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not careful to answer thee in this matter. I might be afraid of the fire, but I've got a God who is bigger than the fire, and if I burn, I burn, and if I come out on the other side, I come out on the other side. Either way, I will not bend. I will not bow I will not betray my God ah, I wasn't going to go here but I'm just going to go ahead and do it I'm almost done but I, I'm going to go ahead and say this as the culture grows darker there will be times when you will have to stand up for truth and you may have to lose some things you may have to lose some freedom it may be your job. It may be your family. I don't know what's coming down in the future, but I want you to know if things keep trending the way they're trending right now, there's going to be some men and women of God who are going to have to have the spirit of faith that says, hey, whatever you do to me, I'm not betraying my Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do to me, I'm not giving up the word of God. I'm not ripping pages out of my Bible so that I can be politically correct. I am standing on the word of God. Come hell or high water, whatever I've got to do, I am in this thing to win it. That's what Paul meant when he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God does not do it. God does not give us a fearful spirit. In fact, he did give us a spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us His Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us power from heaven. It is, the Bible says, the comforter. I think that's interesting when you contrast 
this Holy Spirit as the comforter to the spirit of fear. When the spirit of fear comes in like a flood, the Holy Spirit will come in as the comforter and it will counteract the spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit is the revelator. It will give you revelation. It is the illuminator. It will illuminate your path so that you can walk in the light and not in the darkness. It is the light that pushes back against a dark generation. It is the very spirit and presence and Uma of God. It is a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind as the musicians come. The spirit of faith is a calm spirit, a peaceful spirit, a spirit that enables us to have self-control. I can always tell when someone is dominated by a spirit of fear because they have an inability to exercise self-control. When you see people who are constantly reacting to every situation, they're lashing out in anger, they're constantly reacting to everything with a knee-jerk reaction, you can know that they do not have the spirit of faith operating in their life because they do not have the power to exercise self-control in their relationships, in their spiritual disciplines, in their walk with God, the spirit of fear has caused them to react to everything, everything around them. Let me close with this verse. Stand with me. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. 1 John 4 and 18. It says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. I've struggled with that verse a lot in my, what does that mean? I've heard a lot of different interpretations what it means for perfect love to cast out fear. I'm going to say something that some of you may or may not disagree with, but you and I, as finite human beings, are incapable of having perfect love. God alone is love. Love emanates from the very being and essence of God. God is perfect in all of his ways. His love is perfect. His love is powerful. His love is beautiful. His love is everlasting. He loved us so much that while we were yet unworthy, while we were dead in our sin, wallowing in our trespass, in His perfect love, He bled and He died. So how 
does his perfect love cast out our imperfect fear? It only happens this way. When you acknowledge how much God loves you, <laughs> somebody's going to get a revelation right now. I'm going to tell you, the light bulb's about to go off for somebody. You will never overcome fear until you recognize the perfect love of God. Because if you really knew how much God loved you when you were in pain and you cried out to Him, you would know that He's listening. That relationship would grow. Think about it in your own natural relationships with your kids, your grandkids, your husband, your wife, your brothers, your sisters. If there comes a moment in that relationship when you doubt their love, fear always enters your heart. If you doubt the love of your husband, fear will come in. But perfect love casts out every vestige of fear because you can trust and have faith that is released when you acknowledge and recognize the love of God. Somebody here tonight, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but somebody needs to come to this altar and throw up your hands and say, Lord, I need your perfect love to cast out fear right now. I know, I know that we may have to break through our pride, but I'm going to be right here with you. I'm coming to this altar with you. But some of us need to come and break the spirit of fear once and for all. Who will take that first step and come to this altar and say, Brother Ryan, I need the perfect love of God to cast out fear in my life. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Come on. God's going to break some things. God's going to break some deep things tonight. Come on. Let's not let our pride stop us. I, I feel pride. Let's not allow pride to keep us from getting what we need tonight. Let's make our way. Some of you are struggling with anxiety. Some of you are fighting against all kinds of things. And you need the spirit of faith to be infused into your heart, into your life. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. God is going to meet you in this altar. The Spirit of God is going to meet you in this altar. Defeated, and death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your praises loud. The enemy has been defeated, and death couldn't hold you down. We're gonna lift our voice in victory. We're gonna make your Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. 
Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of With the voice of triumph, shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Shout unto God with the voice of praise. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. church let's sing this as our battle cry there is
Come on, I feel faith rising. I feel faith rising. Sing this as your war cry. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. There's an army. There's an